As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Phil. And this is Kira. Welcome to the How We Do It podcast. A marriage podcast about our story. Which we use to help couples better themselves. We use our podcast to help married couples navigate through their relationship. So grab a pen and pencil and take a listen to the next episode of the How, How We, we do, do It podcast. podcast. Marriage done our way. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got made fun of because of my hair. I didn't have a perm like everybody else. I didn't need no perm. I might have one nappy like everybody else. You know what I'm saying? So, but they still made fun of me because I went wearing my hair down in wraps. I wore my hair up in like little balls off of my head. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another amazing episode of the How We Do It podcast. Featuring me, Kira. And I'm Phil. And this is episode number 30. 30. This is episode number 30 of the How We Do It podcast. And I'm excited because we are going to talk about something that I don't like when I do this. But what I, you don't like what you what you don't like when you, when you do stuff. When I have conversations about the topic that's coming up. Oh, before the podcast airs. Yeah, because it, it feels like... You sharing the secret. Not necessarily sharing the secret, but I... You you do readings, so I'm pretty sure you can relate. If somebody comes to you and they say, Hey, Kira, I need a reading. Like, really, really bad. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. I need some clarity. I need to know what to do. Can you just... You'd be like, all right, cool. If they don't talk to you or no one in their circle talks to you, the reading goes as planned. Whatever right. spirit has to say to you, whatever your ancestors, however it works, I don't know. But however it works, the reading always turns out successful. But let's say the person been calling you all week, telling you bits and pieces bits of what's pieces going of information. on. And then when the reading starts, like, I told you that already. Right, so now I, I don't really have anything to reveal because we've already talked about. It. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I that's had like this... what I said last week when I told you my sister friend booked the reading, but I was so on point. She thought that she had, she thought that my sister had already told what was going, told me what was going on. Right, so it doesn't feel like it's coming from an authentic place. And I hadn't place. even talked to my sister. She didn't even know. She she suggested, hey, my sister do reading. You should go book with my sister. But when she booked, she didn't tell my sister that she had booked. It wasn't until afterwards I said, oh, I read. So JoJo didn't know the girl had booked the mm -mm. reading. She didn't know she had told her to book it, but she didn't know that she had went on and did it. Oh. Okay. So after I got done reading, I said, I read, I ain't even say her name, but I, I read your friend today. 
She said, oh, you did? I told her months ago to book a reading with you. She just now booking it, huh? So she didn't even... the girl look. thought that... The JoJo, girl thought me and JoJo had been talking. Yeah, because it was so accurate. Yeah. But that, that, that confirms your gift because it's like, I didn't have conversation with my sister about you. This is just what spirit is showing me no, to talk. help you. Yeah, well, me and JoJo talk. I don't be talking to her about her friends. I don't even know her like that. I only met her once at daddy's, um, after daddy passed away. When she oh, came to the okay. hospice, her. Okay. She came to the hospice when daddy died. That's the, she's that at the my, hospice building. Mm-hmm, okay, that was yeah, my first time about. meeting her. So we don't talk about her. Yeah, I don't even know that lady I name. I don't even know her. Yeah. Like that. But the, the thing is, that is what I'm talking about. Like, I don't want it to be like the tips and the information that's, that's coming across the podcast is what me and you previously talked about, yeah. you know. So the person that I was talking to, I said, um, <laughs> I said I really don't want to talk about this because this is the, the this is the podcast topic for next week. next week. And the person told me they said, "Well, it doesn't matter because I know because I listen to y'all podcast. You're gonna go into it in further Deeper. detail." So I said, "Okay, that kind of made me feel good." So today's podcast, ladies and gentlemen, is all about insecurities in a marriage. Um, insecurities is a huge problem for all of humanity. It is a huge problem because everybody has it. Everybody has insecurities and we don't know how to deal with them. A lot of times um, for the majority of the times, insecurities weaken us when they really can empower us. You have a, a, a small group of people who take their insecurities and they use them as empowerment to prove people wrong, to re rebuild themselves, to restructure their lives, to you know, if, hey, I'm insecure about my weight, so they go get in the gym and they look good. Right. You know, I'm insecure about my finances, so I go create my own uh, business or have multiple streams of income. Insecurities can empower you. And if you are, you know, of the right mindset, you will use them as empowerment. But insecurities drown a lot of people. Mm. And the majority of the people who drown from these are adults. And so... What happens when I am struggling with negative self-talk about myself, a negative belief about how I see myself, and then I get married to somebody who's dependent on me? Mm. I'm struggling with I'm not enough. I'm struggling with I have faults and, and weaknesses. But then somebody says, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you and then depend on you to be there for me when I have had a history of not being there for myself Mm. because I don't feel like I have what it takes to do so or whatever the insecurities come from. So um, I feel like this is a really, really big topic because I want to help people, um, couples, but people in general, get over this and stop being plagued by their own negative thoughts. You know what I mean? And we're going to go over some tips and some facts today about insecurities and and just to break down what it is. So when you get into insecurity, if you just break it down to its root definition, insecurities is an uncertainty or an anxiety about oneself or a lack of confidence. So. If you get to the root of what an insecurity is, it is basically insecurity has like three major 
uh, components, but two of them is definitely, um, you know, the 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 bulk of it. And number one is uncertainty, and number two is fear. Anybody that deals with insecurity, you are dealing with it because you are uncertain about something. Mm-hmm. How they're going to receive me? Do I look good? Are they going to like me? Is it my fault? Am I going to be the weak link? Am I going to be accepted? That's uncertain. Am I going to be able to handle this 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 bill? Am I am I going to be able to be a good mom or am I going to be a better dad than my daddy was? That's uncertain. Right. That's the first component. The second component is fear. What if I am not as good as my father was? What if I don't get the job? You know, what's going to happen to me? If what if I can't afford this house? What's going to happen to me? What if the relationship falls apart and and I'm 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 not who she you know wants? Will she break up with me? You know, what she what if he cheats? What if I'm not as sexual or as fine as all these other? You see what I'm saying? Right. And so you got uncertainty and fear yeah. hooked together. Now, these two together brings about the third component, which is anxiety. Mm. The definition of anxiety is an excessive need to worry. To worry. I remember you told me that because that's something that unfortunately I deal with. And that's, it's like every time I say that definition, it is so crazy. Because it makes so much sense. What you mean? Because as somebody that deal with that, that I think I have, I think I been dealing with anxiety for as long as I can remember. I remember being um, in elementary school not wanting to go to school because I was afraid that something was going to happen to my mama because she was at home by herself. Was she sick? Mm-mm. I was just a mommy's girl. And so daddy would be at work and JoJo would be at school. Sandy would be doing whatever she be doing. So I felt like something was going to happen to her if she was at home by herself. And one day, I think I was in middle school, I came home and the house next door to me had burnt down. Mr. Wheeler house. Mm. And she was at home by herself. I was like, oh, what if the smoke happened? You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of my anxiety start from when I was a kid. Mm. From like when we used to have tornado drills and stuff like that. Because you mm. know how it is in the South. You know, we used to have tornado drills when our weather get real bad. And I know she at home by herself. We didn't have a basement for her to go hide. Right. So I was afraid that something was going to happen to her and stuff like that. And so... um. You know, I deal with stomach issues sometime now, and it was real bad when I was younger. Because of the anxiety. Because of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So and it was crazy that you said that because I read a quote yesterday that said, "If you are depressed, you're living in the past. If you are anxious, you're living in the future. If you mm-hmm. are at peace, you are living in the present moment. You are experiencing everything that's happening. So in your present moment, you're at school, you're safe, you're around friends, you're around your teacher, you're doing schoolwork. If you had brought your mind, but it's hard to say that as a child, but I'm going into my meditation class teaching. But when you bring your mind into the present moment and be mindful and present of where you are, it takes anxiety away. It takes depression away. But the fact that you were worried about something that had not happened yet, that's future tense. It ain't been no tornado. Ain't nobody robbed him in mama house. Mr. Willie house didn't burn your mama house down, but it was like you already in the future. And here's the thing that we got to understand. Our brain is designed to look for threats. 
That's why people say, I don't want to be, you ever hear people say, I don't want to think like this. I don't want to be like this. I want to feel good. I want to yeah. be at peace. I be like that. I don't like dealing with like how you say, I always worry about the kids and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I don't like being like that. So then the way you deal with that, I'm going to help you out right now on this show. The moment you, the, the key is you have to recognize that you are worried. Because sometimes we have anxiety so much, we don't even recognize we're worrying. It's just so normal to us to worry. Oh, the bills. Okay, well, do I got enough gas in the car? And you start to worry. Um, The moment you recognize or you are aware that I am worrying, stop. Take a deep breath and bring yourself into the, the present moment. And how do you do that? You verbally say everything good that's happening to you in that present moment. That one time that I had an anxiety attack and it was odd because I never had that before. You know me. I don't worry about nothing. (laughs) Yeah. But this one particular day I was driving to work and. I thought you were down in the living room. I was getting ready to go to work. Oh. Because I did my uh, mindfulness technique on the way to work. That's what calmed myself down. I was in the house worried about bills and I don't know why because the bills were paid you was worried about some bills that's due next month exactly but that's 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 the point anxiety is worrying about I'm not anxiety but worry anxiety comes from worry it is an, an excessive need to do it that's the thing that trips me out I, I don't understand how do you have a, an excessive need to worry you know what I mean but that's, um, it, it, it stems from control issues Mm. That's what I think. No, you you on point. You're definitely on point because we're going to get into that. But what happened was I was worried about bills that was two weeks out. And I, I sat in the living room and worried so much that when I got to work, I know when I feel stressed because I get gas in my stomach. I feel so uncomfortable. I lose my appetite. That's the first sign. Okay, you stressing. And I was driving to work and my back started getting tight. Was you working at this new job? Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. I was still working at my old job. And so what happened was, as I was driving, I started to feel so physically uncomfortable because this is not normal for me. So I started, I said, okay, let's do our breath work. Took my deep breath in, slowly breathed out. And every time I breathed in, I imagined white light or cleansing light coming into my body and when I filled up my abdomen I imagined that white light gathering every negative energy every negative emotion every negative feeling and I gave the negativity a color of black gathering all the black and then when I exhaled I imagined this black negative energy smoke coming out as I was doing it I would inhale and when I exhale I would name what's happening. Okay. I'm driving a black Toyota Corolla 2016. Inhale, exhale. The car is clean. I got half a tank of gas. I'm bringing myself into the present moment. The air conditioning is going. It's raining outside. I'm in the right lane. There's an 18 wheeler next to me. I'm merging on I-85. I feel good. I feel good. I don't feel hot. I'm not sticky. I got my cologne on and I I got on my blue work shirt. I got on my pants, my steel toes, and 
I got some money in my pocket. I'm passing up Jimmy Carter. I was just saying this stuff in my head. Are you having issues with your finances, trouble in your relationship, or just need some general insight with your day-to-day life? Hey, everybody. I'm Kiri Guinea of the How We Do It podcast and owner of Blue Lotus Sacred Healing Place. And I'm here to tell you that you no longer have to be in the dark when it comes to your life issues. You have more control than you think. Book a reading with me at www.bluelotusreadings.as.me and together we will get to the root of your issues. Once again, that's www.bluelotusreadings.as.me. Talk to you soon. What's up, y'all? This is your man, Phil, of the How We Do It podcast, and I'm super excited to present to y'all my very first T-shirt line. That's right. The Dial Tone Producer T-shirts are here. You all have been asking for them in the urban dance community, and now they are printed and available from sizes small all the way to 3X. To order your shirt, all you have to do is email me at dialtonetp at gmail.com. That's dialtonetp at gmail.com to purchase your Dow on the producer t-shirt i want to say thank you to everybody who's already been supporting the movement and now you can get your very own shirt again email me at dowtonetp at gmail.com and payments are accepted through cash app and paypal and as i was saying it i started to realize i'm okay my life is fine and the longer i did this I, when, when I get happy, I got to hear some music. So I turn my James Brown on at this mm-hmm. point because I'm no longer stressed out. So it's like in order to uh, help help you with your anxiety, you number one have to recognize that I am worrying. Once you realize you're worrying, no, I am worrying about something in the future that has not happened. So if that hasn't happened, why am I worrying about it? I hate that. You see what I'm my, saying? My biggest thing I be worried about is the kids getting sick or something like that. That, that, that make me worry And they so happy They be playing and stuff But I don't know why I always worry about because that Because you're in the future So the answer to your question Is not why do you worry It's what to do when it happens Because we all do it All human beings have some insecurity And an insecurity is another form of anxiety So insecurity has three major components There's other parts to it But there's three major components there's the uncertainty and because we don't know what's going to happen or we don't have any control or whatever the case is folks start to fear oh my god what if the kids get sick i don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen do they eat the right thing are they are they growing at the right rate are they being the right size for their age Uh, are they maturing and developing all of these things is uncertain so that brings on the second part which is the fear and the fear now causes you to spring into action i gotta worry and what does the worry do nothing it doesn't control the outcome it doesn't make the kids any safer it just drives you crazy so if i find out that i am worrying typically it is about something that i don't have any control over or i'm uncertain about i i i apply for this new job I'm hoping that they call me back because I'm about to quit this last, this other job where they talking about firing me or laying me off and I don't know if I'm going to get this other job. You're worrying about stuff that ain't this idea of control. So DeAndre taught me something. He said, control what you can control and flow with what you can't control. Mm. 
If you can control it, do everything in your power to fix it the way you want it to be. If you can't control, that means the universe. This is, and see, this is when, when I get into my meditation classes, you have to trust the universe, God or whomever you choose to call it, that the part that I don't control, you got. So I flow with it. If they tell me today, hey, bro, we got to lay you off. The average person's response is, oh, my they God. They're going to freak out. Worry yeah. about the bills and their so, family and stuff. Right. And what did Preston Smiles say? Anytime you're stressing, you're resisting the direction the universe is taking you. Mm. So if you find yourself stressing out, you're resisting what is actually being shown to you. Like you have people who are in horrific relationships and they trying to figure this thing out and you stressed out. You stressed out because you're not opening your eyes to what is present in front of you. The universe is showing you the answer. It's telling you what you should or shouldn't do or what you need to do. But you steady trying to figure this out. And I remember you said that your your ex was like, I don't even want counseling. Right. And so you was like, we just get some counseling da, 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 because we're going to fight for what we want. Right. Right. But if it's clear and evident that this is not healthy for the both of us, what am I fighting to keep? Right. Because we go to counseling and the counselor tells us whatever he or she says. And we still know that at the end of the day, this is an unhealthy situation from jump. I'm fighting to what? Keep my reputation of being a spouse. Right. I'm and that's all it was because um, that's all it was. We were both young. So we really didn't have anything. We didn't have no kids, no house or nothing. So it was just a clean break. Really, mm. if we had to just went on and got divorced, but we had those emotions too. Embarrassed, like what is everybody gonna say? Cause everybody, when we when we got married, I was so young. People were like, it ain't gonna last. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I want to be like, I want to prove them wrong. Did you tell me you, you did that one time when you was married too? Yeah. Everybody said that you was gonna cheat on your ex-wife, um, and you said you want to prove them wrong, so you never did. Um, no, they just said I was gonna cheat. They said, yeah, yes, it did. It was a it was a guy named Corey and his cousin. His cousin used to cut hair in his apartment over east. And I went over to get my hair cut. And I didn't tell him I had got married. But then when I got the opportunity to tell him I did, and they was like, how old are you? I said, 19. Oh, nigga, man, what you doing, man? <laughs> Look, let me tell you something. You ain't had no pussy yet. You ain't had no real pussy, man. Oh, you, oh, bruh. Man, I'm telling you right now, that relationship ain't gonna laugh. That nigga gonna cheat. And they laughing and joking. And I'm sitting here, two older guys is like They scared you. It didn't scare me, but it it made me like, all right, I'm gonna prove y'all wrong. That's how I was when people kept on saying it ain't gonna last. His friends were saying that because all his friends was older. Mm-hmm. And so Well, he was older. Yeah. But his friends was like in their thirties and forties. And he wasn't that old. But they were saying stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm going to prove them wrong. You know what I'm saying? So when I suggested counseling, and he was like, I don't want to go to counseling. I'm like, well, shoot. I can't, we can't, if you yeah, don't, right. don't want to accept the help, I can't help. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of times counseling can be the answer. And sometimes you just got to know when to walk away, you know? Mm-hmm. And when it got to know when to lead a party, as um, Bishop Bruno say. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, I stayed in my past marriage 11 years and I knew it wasn't going to last because we wasn't 
we it wasn't a healthy situation. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Yeah, but here's the thing: like that ego, trying to prove somebody wrong and all that stuff, and you know, it, it ain't worth it. You only get one life. Happiness is a, is is a choice. It's a it's not just a thought process. It's a choice. It's a lifestyle. And a lot of people are not happy because we have egos, which is a part of insecurity. And so uh, anytime you find yourself coming up to a challenge and that challenge is out of your control, whatever the universe is doing, flow with it. There's an experience and a lesson there. But a lot of times we don't grow. We don't get better. We don't succeed. We don't accomplish our goals. It's because the lesson we're supposed to learn, we're not learning it because we steady fighting what the universe is. Yeah, I'm trying to control it. I I got to make sure this is happening. And when you do that, it's never working for you. So if you're experiencing anxiety, the first thing you need to do is recognize I'm in the future. That's number one. Number two, let me do my breath work because the breath work calms the, the thoughts down. Okay. Once you do your breath work, start speaking verbally out loud everything that's right in your life. I have a beautiful wife. I have beautiful kids. My children are safe. I have a loving daughter. Uh, there's food in the refrigerator. It's you know it's raining outside, but I'm 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 in a car or whatever. You you know I, I I'm I'm. I'm, I'm healthy. I have on this. I'm wearing this. I remember one time I was in a car and I was yelling at somebody. I was on the phone with DeAndre and somebody, I don't know where they came from, but they came from the right side of the road and they jumped two, three lanes over. When they got in my lane, they brake lights came on. So I slammed on the brakes. I'm like, mother, I'm done. But I was in the middle of talking to DeAndre. And the first thing he said, ah, what color shirt you got on? What color shirt you got on? And I said, I got on blue. And I started laughing. What he was doing was bringing my mind back to the present moment. You didn't hit that person. That person didn't hit you. You didn't have an accident. You are 100% safe. You are still in your car on your way where you're going. What color shirt you got on? A blue shirt. What temperature is inside the car you drive? I got the L. All right, then. Let's get back to the conversation. You fine. Stop stressing. I'm going to start doing that then. It's, you, when you do that, it, it it's a uh, it's a way it, it's a way to 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 let you know everything is fine. I did this one time to uh, I was on two eighty five, and there was this white guy driving his pickup truck, and he was I don't he had to be on his phone because he was just steady tapping his brakes, steady tapping his brakes, steady tapping his brakes. <laughs> Why they do that when they be on the phone? Because <laughs> they trying to make sure they don't hit the person in front of, because they're not looking. So. The exit lane opened up. I jumped in the exit lane and went around him and got in front of him. And so as I'm driving in front of him, I saw a space to my left. I get over and he on the side of me, the white dude. He got his window down. And so he starts talking shit. And you know me. Oh, you got the right one. We ain't got nothing but traffic. We can actually get out the car. That's how I'm thinking. So I rolled my passenger window down. And he said, are you crazy? You could have hit me. I said, how? You zipping and moving through traffic. Da, 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 da. You could have hit my truck. I said, let me ask you a question. Did I hit you? No. I said, no. Did I hit you? But you know, and he's sticking his middle finger up, yelling and screaming. I said, bro, let me get this straight. 
you in a pretty Dodge Ram truck and you mad at me because I didn't hit you. You 100% safe. Ain't nothing going on. You got. And then when I said that, he said, bro, all I'm saying is his voice started to calm down. Because when I started bringing him back to the present moment, he realized, like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> all I'm saying is just drive a little safer. Have a good day. And then he slowed back down and started driving slow again. So mindfulness takes you out of stress and anxiety and brings you to the present moment that everything is fine. It was like the other day, remember I was at work and the Mexican dude told me, he said, pull over here onto the side of the road. So I pull over the side of the road and this black girl comes by and she passes up the truck and she stopped. You got that big old truck in the middle of the road. I can't even get by. I said, you just got by, didn't you? She just drove off. She said something else stupid, but she drove off. It's like you, you're you're worrying, you you're fussing about something. Why do, that's crazy if you think about it. That is stupid. You just drove past me, but you said I can't get by. Yeah, and when you need to move that big ass truck out the way, I can't get by. And you in front of me. You came from behind the truck. So I said you just got by, didn't you? Well, something she said, and then she pulled, she sped off. And it's like that's, but that's how stupid we we sound. Worrying about something when you are 100% okay. It's like having a million dollars in the bank and you worried about a light bill that's $100. Oh, that, 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 they just cheap at that point. <laughs> but somebody said, hey, bro, what you, what, you got a million dollars. That's how it sounds when if you stop and you take a look at your, your present moment, I am fine. So we're going to get into this discussion about insecurities because this is really plaguing a lot of people and it's stopping a lot of folks from being able to connect because I have this wall between me and you because I feel a certain way. I feel negative that there's a a self image I have. And basically your insecurities is nothing more than a filter. That's all it is. So we're experiencing reality right now. We're sitting across from each other. We're talking on microphones. That's the reality. Mm -hmm. However, in my mind, my insecurities create a filter. Are you having issues with your finances, trouble in your relationship, or just need some general insight with your day-to-day life? Hey, everybody. I'm Kirio Guinea of the How We Do It podcast and owner of Blue Lotus Sacred Healing Place. And I'm here to tell you that you no longer have to be in the dark when it comes to your life issues. You have more control than you think. Book a reading with me at www.bluelotusreadings.as.me and together we will get to the root of your issues. Once again, that's www.bluelotusreadings.as.me. Talk to you soon. What's up, y'all? This is your man, Phil, of the How We Do It podcast, and I'm super excited to present to y'all my very first T-shirt line. That's right. The Dial Tona Producer T-shirts are here. You all have been asking for them in the urban dance community, and now they are printed and available from sizes small all the way to 3X. To order your shirt, all you have to do is email me at dialtonetp at gmail.com. That's dialtonetp at gmail.com to purchase your Dial Tony Producer t-shirt. I want to say thank you to everybody who's already been supporting the movement and now you can get your very own shirt. Again, email me at dialtonetp at gmail.com and payments are accepted through Cash App and PayPal. So I could be sitting here going, she probably looking at me and saying he need to get his hair done. He need to shave. 
For real? No, no, no. I'm. This is oh. an example. Oh, I was you know say. what I'm saying? You know, she probably looking at me saying, "I wish he was getting in shape or whatever." Now, this has nothing to do with the reality, but this is the filter I'm looking at you through. So now, all of a sudden, what if I decide from now on I, I want to wear a shirt? You're like, man, take your shirt off. You when you when you start sleeping with a shirt on, my insecurities is filtering how I experience my reality. Now all of a sudden I'm coming to bed with a shirt on every night. Like I know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know when girls don't really feel comfortable because when 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 they go swimming, they always wear that big cover up. that big dumbass t-shirt over they over their bathing suit cuz they don't want nobody to see what they don't like. They don't realize we love big women, curves, whatever. You 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 if you if your nipple pop out, we look that's how we that's how. I have a cover up But I don't be wearing it Well I ain't been swimming in years But I didn't but I'm wear just it saying, yeah. But you can tell that like Because the girls who who got their body Where they want it to be They ain't got that t-shirt on Right If they do It's got the little I know one guy Sheer I just, look to I just it I skate with She wore a G-string I'm like nah I ain't doing it Yeah because she was so confident yeah. About how she looked mm-hmm. Exactly And the ones who ain't They wear the whole old lady <laughs> Swimsuit, and then they the put one the t-shirt. On, yeah, and they put the t-shirt over it. That that type of thing, and and so it's like you your insecurities tell you how to shop for clothes. Your insecurities tell you how to eat. Your insecurities tell you who to, who to pick friends, and it's all it is is a filter that's telling you what to do and what not to do, and it's not real. It's just a negative thought that comes in our head. Now, how do we get the insecurities? This is what. I really want to get into. So insecurities come from, and after studying this for the last week or so, insecurities start as a child. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because the most common insecurity is that I'm different. It's not that it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just that I feel different from whoever I look up to, or whoever I deem to be cool popular whatever and so if you think about kids if you look at our two babies kids are fearless mm-hmm. they don't have insecurities so in order for them to develop it something had to happen in their childhood that stopped them from being fearless Noah climbing up on the dresser and jumping off the bed and doing all kind of jumping dangerous off the stuff sofa. Right. Fearless. The other day, so like I if y'all from Georgia, y'all know what I'm talking about. But if you ain't from Georgia, they got these big ass roaches down here. <laughs> and these things fly. The first time I ever seen them was when we was staying with your mama. With mama yeah. These things are the size of a walnut. <laughs> right? I'm probably, used to probably, it. probably bigger. Yeah, I'm used to it now because you know, I've been down here for a while. But when I first moved down here, I was like, man, what the heck is that? You know, it's a water bug. That ain't no water bug. That's a roach. <laughs> What your mama call him? Roach. A roach. That's a roach. <laughs> <laughs> so the other day there was a roach. You screaming and hollering, kill it, kill it, kill it, and all other stuff. The cat I hate them things. The cat then took it and mangled it and shook it up and down and stuff. And everybody's like, get a napkin and pick it up. Da 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 da. Avi gets out of the hat chair, walks right over to it, and, and just, get it, and just picks it up. Fearless. Yep. I'm day. like, wash your hands. She touched the roach. Exactly. <laughs> she has no. Hell, she ate one when she was a baby. Yeah. 
I came down here and I'm like, what you down here eating? This ever had done put one in her mouth. She had to be like nine or eight months old. She was a baby baby just learning how to walk. Mm-hmm. And he was still alive. Yeah. And she's going to start crying. <laughs> you should have everything. Yep. And Greedy so, helper. So that's fearless. <laughs> but then at, at, at some point, that child gets older. And throughout its process of learning, something happens. There's an experience. Somebody says something that teaches you that you are not enough and that there's something wrong with you. You are not accepted. And all of a sudden, that one experience changes you and it takes your fearlessness and turns it away. And now all of a sudden, you are 40 years old and you having issues in your relationship, on your job, because of something that started when you was a child. Mm. And so most insecurities start from childhood. And what it does is, is it causes us to, again, that filter, see life in a way that's not reality. And it makes us feel like we are not enough and we don't measure up. So here are three things for parents. If you have kids, there are three essential needs your kids uh, want to have in order to, to not deal with insecurities. So if you're raising children, children must feel safe, they must be seen for who they truly are and they must be soothed. This will, will not allow insecurities, at least from the parenting, right. because uh, there's a therapist who had two major clients. The first client was a major uh, actor. So she, she didn't say his name, but she was from Britain and she flew all the way to the States. And this dude was really, really tripping. They call her, said, please, can you come see him? Because he's about to walk off the set and we're in the middle of, of, of recording. We're in the middle of shooting and we, we haven't even finished the season yet. And he's getting ready. Major, super, super heavyweight actor. The dude was tripping and this, this day and the third. So she flew on the first thing, first flight she can get to the States. And she lets the, you know, the directors and everybody know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. And they go, um, what kind of car you drive? She goes, uh, I'm driving a Mustang. Uh, you can't pull up to our client's house with a Mustang. Do not pull up to his house in a Mustang. You got to have a Porsche, uh, a Ferrari. You got to have a Lamborghini. You can't, mm. you can't pull up. And, and she was like, what? He's like, look, just, if, you got, if you can't get another car, pull around inside of his house. So she, she gets to the house. She pulls around inside of his house. She rings the doorbell. And the first thing he does is start bitching at her. He goes, a Brit? They sent a Brit to come help me? All these other therapists couldn't help me. What are you going to do? You know what? You know what? You resemble my third wife. You was, you he, just going yeah, in, yeah, wasn't you remember using my third wife. And you make me sick already. And she said, well, uh, nice to meet you, sir. You have a lovely home. I hate this house. And I hate my neighbors, too. I'm getting ready to sell this house. She says, uh, okay. And there was something in this house that he had. She said, oh, you have some beautiful, whatever they were. Those are cursed. And she noticed right away, everything that... Well, something she, was wrong with everything yeah, she he, said. He found something wrong with everything. I'm here to help. Something wrong with that. You got a nice house. There's something wrong with that. And she said, tell me about your childhood. And he was like, well, what about it? He said, how did you grow up? 
basically his mom worked nights his dad was a construction worker whenever work was available he would work when they would lay him off they would lay him off and he said how was your relationship with your parents why well, didn't see my mom much because she worked all the time so i was at home with my, with my dad how was your relationship with your dad well i had to cook him these construction meals he said construction meals it was meals with like potatoes and some type of meat and you know uh corn or something yeah something <laughs> like that and she said, well, how was eating dinner with your dad? <laughs> eating? I didn't eat a thing with him. He didn't allow me to eat anything. She said, I know what's wrong with you. She said, you're rude. You've been complaining the whole time I've been here. You won't even let anybody pull up to your house unless they're driving a Ferrari or something. She said, you don't believe you're enough. Mm. And the dude eyes swelled up with tears. She said, what? point in your life did you feel like you wasn't enough and it stemmed from his childhood right when his dad wouldn't even let him eat all when, the food he cooked yeah when he cooked the food and the dad wouldn't let him yeah. eat so he took that and carried it all the way now he's a successful actor she didn't say his name to protect confidentiality but he's a successful actor with this major beautiful mansion you got all of these fabulous cars you got the life everybody wants and you over here fussing and complaining you have any insecurities um, I believe my insecurity has always been like being different. And and, and okay, I give you an example. Like when you started your business, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody to this day was flocking to you. Like, oh, I want to read it. Oh, I want to read it. And you didn't even want to do your business. You just liked doing readings because it was a gift. Like I study business. I, I know what it takes to run a business and I'm working harder than you. I'm up late. I'm up early trying to gain the traffic you are getting. And it made me feel like something was wrong with me because mm. I'm doing everything and it's not working. And I believe that became an insecurity. So it, what it did was it started when I would get on social media on my uh Instagram, I would look at how other people respond to folk because my Instagram is not full of people I I know. It's full of people I'm I admire. So that's kind of a unfair assessment, but it's like I would look at people who run in businesses and I would see how they would put up a post. So I started changing my post to kind of mimic theirs. I would change my videos and all kind of stuff. And that it was like I felt like something about me wasn't enough to attract mm. and so that was one of the insecurities another one I had growing up was my hair snapping I, and look at your hair now it's all thick and long and stuff and yeah. like oh your hair's so pretty but growing <laughs> up it was a thing people made fun of you about mm-hmm. my, and that, that started as a child with my family you light skinned it and you got nappy hair because back in the 80s Light skin is, I'll be sure yeah, and, you, you supposed know. to look like I'll be sure <laughs> yeah. you supposed to look like Prince and Michael Jackson Ice T even he had nice yeah. hair you supposed to look like that you ain't supposed to be walking around here and your hair well Michael Jackson don't count that nigga had a wig on well I don't know nothing about that nigga hair it did Jerry Curl it, it, looked, it looked good to me it didn't look like mine and then when I started growing my, my facial hair and how tight and coarse my hair was on my face I was in barber college in 2011 and we had a dean of the barber college. Well, he was a, it was a beauty college, but they had a barber course. His name was Mr. John. Mr. John walked up to me all the time. He would go, baby, 
What you doing with all that nappy hair? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> I just can't believe you so light. Oh, you so yellow. And it would it would like embarrass you, you me. You had to play it off, but you was on the inside, you was embarrassed. Yeah, and I was like, damn, nigga, calm down. You know what I'm saying? And but every other light skinned dude in the class had that wavy, but here's the thing. All of the other light skinned dude with the wavy hair, they was thinning. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> like my daddy had my daddy got my daddy lost his hair early on because he had that wavy curly. Mm-hmm. I think my hair's starting to get thin too in the top. That's why, because right now, y'all, I have I learned how to corn roll my hair. And so if you notice, I have this, not y'all, but my husband. If you if, baby, if you notice, I got this this braid going right in the middle of my head. That's because I had a part in, in my head the other day when my hair was on the side. And I was looking at the part. I said, this part wide as hell. <laughs> this part not skinny like this. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I feel like my hair getting thin at the top. I don't know if it's just my imagination, but... Probably so. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that was one of my insecurities. Uh, being skinny was another one. Cause it, and, but here's the thing. You ain't skinny no more. Yeah, mm. I know. Mm-hmm. My Bye. insecurities came from my brothers and sisters making fun of me. Yeah. Because I was told I had big lips, so I was insecure about my lips. You do, I love them. Nah, I don't care, you know. But as a child, man, that bothered me, you know. And then uh, uh, my hair, and then the fact that I was skinny, and it was like kids don't realize how mean they are because you you're not the one receiving it if you want making fun of everybody. And then we used to go to school and talk about each other so it just that childhood man it it changes how you know what i'm saying it changes how you are and it changes what you do so insecurities can stem from a childhood so we're going to go over four critical things that creates insecurity so in children we know that they need to be seen for who they truly are. They need to feel safe by their parents and they need to be soothed. Now, before we go over these four things, to see a child for who he or she truly is, is so vital and it's so important. And we mm-hmm. was talking about this when we was eating, um, how kids will feel shamed by their parents. Like you ever heard somebody say, you just like your daddy or yeah, you just I, like I don't. I didn't. I didn't like when people say I look just like my dad when I was younger. Now I don't mind, but when I was younger, I didn't like that. Why not? My dad was an alcoholic, and sometimes he's like he didn't like me. Mm. So I'm like, and then my daddy, because I'm insecure about my skin. Not so much now. Not not so much now because I'm older, and you know, I ain't, I mean I'm married, so I know you accept me for who I am. So I'm not in a dating world wearing a bunch of makeup trying to hide it. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I didn't like when people said that because I looked just like him and I had skin like him. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, why well, can't like my mama? Yeah. She it, was always so sweet and kind to me and stuff like that. So I wanted to look like her. So to look like him represented the treatment that he gave. Yeah. To look like her represented the treatment. See what I'm saying? Like, we don't realize that's called a parental impact. What happened with your parents impacts how you respond in your relationship. And we don't realize how many people are suffering 
from these hidden demons and secrets and these these messed up filters of how we see ourselves in the world based off of something that happened as a child. I got so many characteristics of my dad. Like, I got flat feet like him. Like, I'm like, why? Your nose. Yeah, my nose. They made fun of my nose. They made fun of my skin Mm. when I was in school because I always had acne and, you know, stuff like that. So, um... You was bullied in school, was you? Well, not bullied, but not really made bullied, fun but of. Yeah, I got made fun of because of my hair. I didn't have a perm like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I didn't eat no perm. I might have one nappy like everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, but they still made fun of me because I wasn't wearing my hair down in wraps. I wore my hair up in like little balls on top of my head. Like, you know, not Afro puffs, but she would just comb all my hair up to the top of my head and put it in a big ball. Oh, okay. People made fun of me because I wore my hair like that. Stupid stuff. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I wasn't wearing the head full of weave. Like, you know, those weave ponytails girls used to wear back in the day when mm-hmm. Aladdin and stuff came out. People would start wearing them long ponytails. I wasn't wearing my hair like that. Yeah. And that's why I said kids can be very, very cruel and, and disheartened towards another, another student, friend, or whatever. I remember this dude who was in Spanish class. Senior Rita Wyndham. I remember her class. We was in the seventh grade, maybe six. I don't remember. But um, everybody was in class talking amongst themselves. And I always, I never had a lot of friends in school. So I was just sitting by myself doing whatever Spanish work she, Spanish assignment she, um, Senior Rita Wyndham gave us. And so um, she was going around the class asking the students something I don't remember. But this dude named Terry Talbert, I remember him. Cause of that, and um, like I said, I was minding my business, and Terry Talbert said, "Miss Wyndham, you you know what? I'm gonna go on vacation this summer, cause it was we was almost out of school, and I'm still doing my work, looking at my paperwork. I was listening, but I wasn't looking. You know what I'm saying? You know I'm gonna go. You know I'm gonna go this summer for vacation when when school let out. And she was like, where Terry? Because he was like one of them class clown dudes and she got on everybody's nerve. I'm going to Bump City. That's what, that's what they would call my forehead because I had a whole bunch of bumps on my forehead. Mm. And the class just bust out laughing. I looked up like, I wasn't even, and I and I said, I'm not even bothering you. Why are you talking about me? Let's get on how big your nose is. I had said something smart mm. back to him because I was always so quiet. So I guess he thought he was finger to say something about my face and I'm just going to sit here and start crying. But I said something about him and he looked stupid. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times kids, when they do that, is to take their attention off of their insecurity. Yeah. It was a dude that did that to me when I got married to my ex. His name was Tony. And when I first met dude, he was loud, like real loud. Everything he did was to draw attention. And... He never, never liked me from day one. And he was just like always trying to find something wrong with with me. And so I noticed one day uh, I was driving school buses at the time. I had first got my CDL and this job give you a raise every time school year start back, a 50 cent raise. And so um, they gave us a bonus and then 50 cent raise. And so somebody was asking me like, you know, you making money at that school bus company? I said, I like it. It's cool. So I'm just talking about how they pay us and this, that, and the third. And then dude was like, yeah, but you ain't getting paid like us, though. And he's like, he had to take over the whole conversation. And so I couldn't understand then why he was like that because I didn't study a lot of the stuff that I'm studying now. But when you got a 
take over the conversation, put all attention on you. You're trying to shield or overcompensate for something that you know is wrong or you feel is wrong with you. So this is what I want everybody to focus on. So I'm always talk, you know, in a way where I look better than everybody. If I got to dominate the conversation to the point where I'm the, the smartest one or I'm the best in the conversation, then what I'm doing is I'm hiding the fact that I have flaws. Mm. Oh, I, I got some issues and y'all can't pay no attention to this. So let's talk about this nigga's shoes over here. Look at this though. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's what kids and do. And then gonna have the nerve that dude who says he going to bump city. Years later, we was out of high school. He gonna see me in the mall and say, what's up, Kira? I looked at him like, for real. Because he don't realize that that was the last impression you got of him. Yeah. Oh, uh, he just, he, you know, he probably didn't Now he all fat. Now he not, he, like, he was really, really skinny. But um, he ain't like he was back then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And all the girls liked him because he had curly hair. And then everybody felt sorry for him because his mama died. You know, so everybody was nice to him mm-hmm. back then. But, you know but, what I'm you saying? You know, that, that's crazy because social media is like that now. Everybody's putting their best looking profile up. They telling you all of the beautiful things that's happening to their kids. And I just bought a house. I just bought a car. You know, um, we just went on vacation. I'm show you the pictures. I just got married. Just my wedding pictures. Everything looks like everybody on social media is, is life is just great. Right. And so what they're doing is they're beefing up those insecurities. So you could sit in the house and look at your phone for 15, 20 minutes and become and feel depressed. bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have a camera that good. Or I don't, you know, I don't have outfits. Like, she always got on pretty outfits. I like the way she dressed. Or dude right here is in the gym. And, you know, I, I remember when he first started. Now, I, I don't have time to get in the gym. And all of a sudden, you become insecure based off of what somebody else I'm got glad going I don't, on. First of all, I'm I'm not on Facebook like that no more. But when I was, I'm glad I, I don't, you know what I'm saying, have to feel like that. Um, You know what I'm saying? About people when I see certain stuff. Yeah, social media has really like changed the game for a lot of people, and it's actually bringing the worst out of people. I learned something from Juice. It's something I already knew, but it, he really, when we were talking, he really brought it out. Social media is a tool, and it should be used as a tool. If you was to use a hammer, you will only get the hammer for when you need it. Right. It's a tool, but once you're done with it, you, you put, put it, it up. Money's a tool. You only pour spend money it when you need to spend yeah. it. Yeah. Social media is a tool. You should have a direct and specific purpose for getting on social media. And once you have done what you're supposed to do, get off of it. Yeah, I I, I agree. And I think that's why um, I don't be on that like I used to because if I don't have anything to post, what I'm be on that scrolling all day for. Mm-hmm. And so now, um, last week, I decided I'm finna stop being on social media like that mm-hmm, because um, what happens I is- give myself like two 15 minute breaks like if I realize oh let me go check Facebook you know I ain't been on that since yesterday I go on now and then and lately since I took that break when I go on I'm like this shit boring I go right back off because mm-hmm. what's happening is you actually just wasting time because I don't have a purpose to get on here. I'm just killing time. I'm bored. I'm at the doctor's office. Uh, I'm sitting on the bus stop. Uh, somebody says, hey, I want everybody to come into the meeting at, at the job and uh, we're going to start in 15 minutes. Everybody pull their phone out and just trying to kill 15 yeah. minutes. Because when I went to the doctor the other day to get my blood drawn, um, I was in the waiting room with four people and um, it felt like it was more than that because everybody got a social distance now so they got to, got 
they have a chair in the middle and two chairs next next to you with a sign that says social distance. So everybody is scattered all over the li- um waiting room. Mm-hmm. So anyway, while I was sitting there waiting for the um the um uh, person that draw the blood to come out, I was noticing like I was I didn't have, like I said I'm off social media, so I was looking at CNN. And but everybody else in the waiting room, even the old senior citizens, had their cell phone scrolling. Yeah, because it's you don't have a purpose for being on yeah. there. So now you miss your name. Did they did not to call me? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Did they call Lewis? Oh, okay. Because you you now I'm just lost in this phone. So what we're gonna do, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna go over four ways that insecurities can affect your marriage. Um, in a negative way and how you can overcome it. Okay. So number one is childhood, which we already discussed things that are implanted. That's that in your mind and in your, your head about how you see yourself. And it could be your parents. It could be your students at school. In my case, it was my brothers and sisters, something that stops you from being that fearless person. And now you have to be worried about the uncertainty of how I'm going to be treated or accepted or, or received. And then you start having, you know, fear and anxiety based off of something that took place. And this could actually affect your relationship with your spouse to the point that you take that filter of how you see yourself and you project it on your spouse to the point where you can have arguments with your spouse about issues that are not really happening within your relationship. It's just the way you see yourself. And all of a sudden you look up and you are bickering back and forth with your spouse based off of something that stemmed from uh, your childhood. Okay, babe. So I'm gonna let you go over uh, tip number two. Okay. So tip number two is past relationship issues. Many partners don't know to react don't know how to react to a loving relationship a partner showing them empathy support and genuine love because of trauma from past from previous relationships Mm -hmm. so number two is basically your relationship could be contaminated with insecurities based off of something that has happened in the past past. yeah and I've, i've been through that where your partner don't know how to receive supportive treatment they don't know how to receive you loving them the right way and they'll make it make you believe it's you yeah and they'll do things to sabotage the relationship is because i have been hurt i received a a, a experience a traumatic experience in a a prior relationship that makes me feel like this is going to happen again so again what is insecurity uncertainty fear and the need to worry So now I'm going to bring those insecurities from that relationship here. And now I'm not equipped to handle a loving relationship because of the filter is remember insecurity is just a filter that changes how you perceive reality. So we're going to move on to the third one. Uh, Number three is ego. This is really, really big. Um, Ego is to be focused and so consumed on yourself that you forget about your partner. Mm. You are so focused and so consumed with yourself that you forget about your partner's needs. You forget to support your partner and you disregard what they have going on in their life because you are so consumed with your own fears of not being able to satisfy them because of your ego. I think I dealt with that. Really? Mm-hmm. 
when it come to you because um we talked about our sexual relationship in our previous episode and you know I you know we getting better now but I be so consumed with oh, I'm so tired you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. that I forget like you have needs too well you know? it's, it's not so much as just being tired when it comes to, to, to ego ego is I have to be validated I have to be assured and confirmed that I am the man or that I am right or I am doing it the right way or I am good. So what happens is, I'll give you a prime example. A lot of mothers do this. Mothers set the tone for how the children are supposed to be raised. All mothers don't, but a lot of mothers do. Uh, the baby needs to have their medicine. They need to do this at this time. They need to be asleep by this time, blah, 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 blah. And they need to do it this way. Because ego says, I am the mom. I have the connection and the bond with the child. I'm right. And then all of a sudden, the mom goes to work or goes out of town or whatever. And the daddy is doing it completely different. Right? And so when the mom comes back, did the baby have so-and-so? Oh, no, I ain't get to it. I forgot. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I can't leave the baby with you. Blah, blah, blah. So you're not you completely are dis- you, are you Are you inadvertently talking about us? You ain't been out of town. But when I go to the store and stuff. Oh, I ain't worried about you when you go to the store. Them kids have fun. I just think they that... They be all dirty when I get back. Whatever. They be having <laughs> fun. Them kids be happy. <laughs> Ava be down pissed down her leg and but stuff. The, the thing is, it's like, that's ego. I have the, the, the right formula for how things are supposed to go. And I'm so consumed with how I see things going that I disregard your need. So, again... The house looks like how I want it to look, but I'm married. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's ego. I don't ask you nothing about what do you want. Like this now, this is us. You will do this. You will want something and then ask me what my opinion is. Well, you the one want it. I don't care. That's how I was I just see thinking. It. I was asking your opinion about stuff and you said it. Yeah. You would ask my opinion about something you want, but it's not something that we both say, oh, we want. Because most women are the caretakers of the house and they set the tone, they design and da 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 and all this stuff. And then you got relationships where the man is doing it. And he ain't asking his wife what she wants or how she feels. That's ego. And the reason why he's dominating it like that, because he's trying to prove to himself that I got this. That I know how to take care of a house. I know how to, to, to you know, keep my kids in, in line. And you're so busy trying to meet a need in your mind that I am a good parent, that I am a good husband, that I am a good mom, that I am completely shutting out all your ideas and everything that you, any input that you may have, I will not listen to it because I want to prove to myself that I'm doing the right thing. That's ego. And what happens is you 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 end up finding out that this is driving a, driving a wedge between you and your spouse because I'm so busy trying to control everything that I'm not listening to her. I'm not considering her. I'm so busy trying to control everything and make sure I, I look, I got the, the, the knowledge of how to do this. Okay. Let me do my thing. You you let me, I got this. You say this to your spouse, both of y'all in it together. Yeah. You know what I mean? So ego is, is number three. And, and this is an insecurity that actually drives a wedge between, uh, Married couples. Number cuatro. Number four. <laughs> um, the partner's behavior. If your partner is staying out late, talking to the opposite sex all the time, 
in a disrespectful manner and flat out disrespecting disrespecting you, that can cause insecurities. Mm. So insecurities can develop within the relationship. That happened to me in my last marriage. Mm-hmm. What? Talk about oh. you just looking at me. Can't nobody see you? <laughs> no, but um everybody know the move ATL was made at the skating rink down here, Cascade. And so um me and my ex-husband, all of our friends, all of our mutual friends was extras in the movie. And so um I had, you know, I was lame, so I didn't know the movie was getting made for a long time till he came home one day and said, T.I. done making a movie at the skate rink. I said, oh, okay, we should go be in there. We got paid um, $100 a day or something like that. So we got paid pretty good. But anyway, he would act normal to me at home, you know what I'm saying? But as soon as we get down at the rink around all these celebrities and stuff, he like he didn't know me. Mm. So that made me feel like, you know, he down there with Lauren London and you know what I'm saying? Because he was actually in one of the skate groups in the movie. So he down now in everybody's face, and I'm just a regular old extra. You know, that's how I'm thinking. Right. So I feel insecure because, you know, they got makeup artists, so all the girls look extra. You know what I'm saying? Pretty mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So we just an extra. So you, when you're an extra, you don't have special makeup and outfits. You just in the background. But everybody who he was around was in the trailer and um like the little mobile homes and stuff they was like getting pampered and special attention yeah so um i feel insecure because i'm like i'm your at the time i'm thinking i'm your wife and you treat me like this imagine how it would be if you won a dang on in a skate group or whatever right so yeah yeah i i I, i've i've had that happen um not so much to the point where i felt insecure but it made me want to get the hell on (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad you never made me feel that way though. You know. I mean, I, I don't I, I know how it feels to be made feel to to be made to feel like something is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so this is another form of insecurity that actually develops within the relationship. So to recap, you have insecurity that can start from when you're a child. You got insecurity that can come from a past relationship that will cause you to not be able to know how to receive the proper treatment of a new relationship and don't necessarily mean that this new relationship ain't working you could be carrying some baggage that's causing you to not know how to handle being treated with genuine and authentic love and then the third one is ego and then the fourth one is that could be things happening within your current relationship that's causing these insecurities so how do we overcome this how do we deal with insecurities in in the marriage and these tips are going to help us. Um, the first thing you want to do when you're in a, a situation where you are experiencing inse- insecurities, you want to understand that these insecurities are critical inner voices. And what these critical inner voices do is criticize. So it's just like we were talking about anxiety. Once you start to hear these inner voices, you must Note and be aware that this is a critical inner voice. It's not me. It's a critical inner voice. So the first thing you want to do is once you are aware that I'm having a critical inner voice speak to me, Mm -hmm. is you want to note the timing of it. That's the first thing you want to do. At what particular time is this thought entering my head? This critical inner voice. What am I doing? Who am I around? 
What what what's happening? Am I walking into a large room full of people and I feel like everybody looking at me? And all of a sudden, that's the timing that the critical inner voice shows up. Am I at the family's house and everybody coming in with their spouse? I'm the only person, you know, whose spouse ain't here because he's drinking. Is that the time that the the critical inner voice shows up? Is it when I'm parenting my kids? Is it when I'm, you know, paying my bills? What is the timing of it? And what you literally want to do is physically get a pen and a pad and write down, I had a critical inner voice today. And it happened when I was parenting. Mm -hmm. It happened when I was looking in the mirror. It happened when I was getting out of the shower. Note the timing of it. And that's that's number one. Number two, what you want to do is once you note the timing of it and you realize when it entered your head, the next thing you want to do is you want to write the criticism down in second person, not first person. So what that means is write what the voice said. So write down it said so and so and so and so. So say like if you look in the mirror and you see yourself and you don't like your stomach, you go, oh, I'm so fat. That's first person. So you write down my inner voice said I'm so fat like that. Mm-mm. You would write down you are so fat. Oh second person so the critical voice said you are so fat what you are doing is you are separating yourself from From that that voice yes so you can immediately start to have compassion on yourself and no that's not me wow i think that's a good exercise i'm gonna do that because what's happening is when when you hear the voice you say it's my voice it's in my head so it must be me it's not you because remember you were naturally a fearless child that didn't get uh, that didn't have insecurities so it came from something else that was a seed planted so when this voice speaks you got to realize that ain't me note the timing of it number 1 when it enters number 2 write it down in second person the inner voice said you are not a good parent i didn't call myself a bad parent this is what this voice is saying right number three once you write it down in second person reflect on any past events or people that these thoughts remind you of this is how you get to the source of it so if i say the inner voice said you are not a good father Reflect on anything, any events, or any people that this particular thought reminds you of. Where would I get this thought from? Right. Who would have said something like this to me? Now you can have more compassion for yourself and say, this came from you. You planted this seed or this event planted that seed. I don't feel that way about myself. My kids is happy and running around all the time. They well fed. They got clothes. They got a roof over their head. I'm doing all the toys everywhere. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I I had to do that. You know, I had to do that. You know, say that they good. You know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. ain't crying. They ain't hurt themselves. They come in here and call my name, mommy, all day and give me hugs. I love you, mama, and stuff like that. So you sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. And so once you do that, what you do is you are separating yourself from being attached to that negative thought so that's number three the fourth thing you want to do write down any rational and realistic statements about how you really are so if like how you said how you just said if the voice says you are a horrible parent 
I write that down. You are a horrible parent. The timing of it was blah, blah, blah. Then what you're going to do is you're going to write down rational, realistic statements about you. I feed my children. They eat nutritious meals. I, I brush their teeth every morning. They get mm-hmm. a bath every night. So now what you are doing is combating the voice with facts. You're not trying to combat yourself. It's like sometimes when you try to say stuff about yourself, but you're hearing this critical inner voice, you say, yeah, so-and-so and so-and-so, and the voice say, yeah, but you know you you ain't going to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know you're you you know you lazy or whatever, right? And so if the voice is saying this and you're writing it down in second person, you're detaching yourself from it, you now can say, okay, let me, now that I heard this negative critical thinking, let me write down some positives about myself that's true. I go to work every day. I pay my bills on time. I hug and kiss my kids. I make love to my wife. I, I buy her whatever she need. I tell her, you know, uh, encouraging affirmations, whatever. This is the true me. And now you start to realize that those voices will become quieter and quieter because the brain only accepts what you allow. Mm. So if you allow those voices to keep talking to you and you believe it, the brain is going to say, this is us. But once you start physically combating it, the brain goes, oh, that ain't true. We don't have no need for this voice no more. We don't have no need to even entertain this thought because that's not true. It's just like somebody said, go in the bank right now and give me $15 million. You know you ain't got it. The brain will be like, man, what the hell that nigga talking about? <laughs> you know, we got yeah. $3,500 in there right now. That's it. And we got to hold on to that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like the brain will do the same thing. And this is what I was telling you before when I was telling you the way you deal with sickness and disease and all these other things is through information. Because a lot of the diseases that we are told we have is only present and prevalent, uh, prevalent in our in our mind. I mean, in our in our life, because our mind accepted it. And once you give your brain information that no, I am not sick. I live like this. I do this. I blah 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 blah. Your brain automatically follows whatever you accept. Mm-hmm. So you know that that is very critical to write down realistic things about yourself that is true. And positive. So we're going to move on to number five. Respond to your insecure thoughts the same way you would respond to a friend who's feeling insecure. See, the crazy part is if your friend started saying stupid stuff about themselves, like, don't nobody love me. I'm like, girl, what you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> you will respond to them in an encouraging way. Yeah. You will uplift them. But when we say it to ourselves, we just accept it. Yeah. So number I do that. I thought I was crazy for doing it. I'll say something to myself and I'm like, girl, shut up. You know so and so and so and so. Mm-hmm. That's how I talk to myself sometimes. So you're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I ain't crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was I'm for real. I'm like, man, I'm crazy as hell. I'm up here. Cussing myself out of stuff. But I ain't I was, say cuss yourself but out. Not like that. But I'm like, girl, shut up. You know you you know so and so and so. You tripping. That's mm-hmm. how I talk to myself inside. You know how I talk to you like, Phil, shut up. You know you fine or whatever. Mm-hmm. I do myself like that when I say something about my hair. Like, girl, you know your hair look good. Shut up. Mm-hmm. This shit long. It's soft. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You tripping. I'm like, oh, okay. To myself now. I'm like, I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> So that's how you overcome. Those are now that that may be some deeper you know, techniques that some of us need to indulge in. But those are five quick, easy tips you could use 
to combat your insecurities. And what will happen is eventually you won't have them anymore. So we're going to recap real quick before we wrap everything up. There are four things that really plague a, 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 a relationship when it comes to insecurities. And those four things are childhood. This is could be the root cause of it. It could be a past relationship. It could be ego. Or it could be something that your partner's doing through their behavior. So if you are dealing with that in your relationship, here are five tips you can use to overcome it. And those five tips are, number one, note the timing of it when it first enters your mind. Number two, write down the criticism in second person to separate yourself from the criticism. Number three, reflect on any past events or people that this may remind you of so you can find out the source of it to further distance yourself from that critical thinking. Number four, write down rational and realistic things that is true about you that's positive. That is the complete opposite of the negative criticism. And number five, respond to the criticism as if you were responding to a friend you were trying to uplift or mm-hmm. motivate. I like that last one because I do that anyway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> hopefully something was said today that will allow you to start the, the healing process within yourself and within your relationship with your spouse. Um, one of the things I will say that I did learn uh, when I was studying the therapist from Britain, almost every criticism, every insecurity is basically wrapped up in a few words. I'm not enough. And most people who feel like they are not enough, they look for things to confirm it in their everyday interaction with other people. So if you are feeling like you are not enough, these are some tips that can help you realize that I am enough. Because if you all come back to your present moment and you look at everything that's going on in your life, you'll realize everything is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm living in a, a poverty-stricken situation, you got health in your body, you got roof over your head, you know what I mean? It may not be the best, but you ain't homeless, you, you ain't out on there the on the street. Yeah. If you listen to this podcast, you are doing really, really good. You know what I mean? And so your life is is way better than what you believe it is. And you got to give yourself credit. And the last tip I'm going to add is celebrate your small wins. That will help you feel less insecure. Because think about it. I'm a Chicago Bears fan from Chicago. We four and one right now. We won four games and we lost one. We don't have the best quarterback situation. We don't have a high power offense like most of these teams like Seattle and, you know, uh, Green Bay and all these other teams. And so the Falcons Falcons actually has a high power offense. They just make a lot of boneheaded decisions. They actually can put points on the board. So I actually like the Falcons offense. I just don't know why they don't ever hold the lead long enough to win. They somehow always find a way to lose. I don't know what that is. That's coaching. And, and player execution or something. I don't know. It's a combination of both. But we don't have that. And and everybody in Chicago knows we ain't never had no elite quarterback ever. We always had a good defense and a good running game. However, the thing is, when the Bears win, they have this thing they do called Club Dub. They still do that? Yeah. Even with the Rona? Mm-hmm. Everybody got on masks now, though. They have to be away from each other. That's stupid. But they, the <laughs> coach actually puts lights up in the in the locker like room, strobe lights and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and they play like 
this they this music. music. Yeah, and they only do it when you celebrate when you win. And the reason why he said to do it is because he said winning is hard in the NFL. So allow yourself to enjoy the fact that you work hard enough to win, regardless if it was lucky or if it was by one point, if it was an ugly win. If you won, allow yourself to feel good about it. What? I'm like, y'all just got done playing a whole football game for the last two or three hours. But when y'all go in the club, dude, y'all got to stay away from each other. Hey, I don't don't get me started y'all was, on Corona. Y'all were just on top of each other, tackling each other, With breathing. No man. Right. Yep. But that's that's <laughs> that's the that's the that's why I said don't get me started on Corona because you know how I feel about it. But the thing is, it's like he wanted them to understand that winning is not something that's easily done in this league. So therefore, it's enjoy it. And that's the problem that that actually keeps insecurities going. Most people, when they feel bad, oh, they 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 hard on themselves. They criticize themselves. They beat themselves down. But when you do something good, you still beating yourself down. Like somebody said, oh, we we four and one, but we still got a trash offense though, and the coaches still right. coach coach the back. So now you can't even feel good about winning. You know what I mean? And people do that to themselves. You actually. Did well in your presentation, yeah, but they ain't giving me they ain't giving me no raise like they giving so and so. So you never give yourself the opportunity to feel good. So another quick way to help you get over this hump of insecurities is celebrate small wins. If your husband cleaned the house the way you want him to clean it, celebrate that. Babe, you did such a good job. Oh my god, and I loved the way you did the floor. It is so clean. That little bit of celebration goes a long way. If your wife did something that you feel is is you know wherever you wanted her to be in a relationship, or she did something the way you like it, celebrate it, babe. Come here, this lasagna. Oh my god, it is so fat, man! You put your foot in this lasagna. That little bit of celebration makes her feel more confident. I can satisfy my man in the kitchen. I can cook. He loves how I I I, I cook. You know what I mean? If you want to take it further, take it further. You know, your man did something, go suck his dick later or something. I'm, I'm serious. Like, you're laughing, I know you're serious. But, but it's like, do something to celebrate that that occasion. And all of a sudden, you start to feel more confident. You know what I mean? And Instead of insecure. And I think that insecurity comes from the fact that we spend so much time constantly not giving ourselves credit for the small things we do. So... That is the 30th episode yep. of the How We Do It podcast. 30 weeks. And uh, we are so excited to continue to keep bringing you all this information. Uh, today's episode was a long one, but I think everything is necessary and needed to be said. So if you all enjoyed this episode, go to our Facebook page. There is a review tab on there where you can leave a review and let us know what you enjoy the most about the show. We would love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, tell a friend, share this episode and other episodes with people you know who are in a relationship, getting engaged, or already married. Our job is to help as many couples as possible. With that being said, in the meantime (laughs) and in between time, baby. What? Yeah, I'm, 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 I don't want to wrap up. And no. you looking, okay. I ain't want to wrap up. And you like, I got something I want to say. I'm good, baby. Okay. Well, until the next time, y'all have a blessed one. We'll see y'all on episode 31. Bye, y'all. Peace.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.